Oh my. <laughs> Joel, I'm going to tell you something. As we're starting this, I just hit record. Um, why? I have to ask you a question. Why do I play with Linux? I don't know. Uh, why do you play with Linux? Well, I used to nail, uh, like, uh, use a hammer to nail things into my eye. <laughs> and just I became too much work. <laughs> it became too much work, and I figured, you know what, that hurts at first. Why not work on something you can craft and get working perfectly for hours and you do one thing and it wipes out your partition. Would that be okay? <laughs> Dev News 93 for Chariot Solutions for Wednesday, November 19th, 2014. I'm Ken Rimple. I'm Joel Confino. And we're here to talk about developer news and not about Linux and Ubuntu on the surface. <laughs> but if you're ever curious, drop me a line at krimple and I can complain to you all day long. We have a lot of things going on. It's been a while. So why don't we just jump into it? I see here you have something. Uh, I thought it was Source. But it's Gorse. Talk to me about Gorse. Gorse is really cool. So Gorse spelled with G and then the rest of the letters in the word source. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Gorse is an open source project that lets you visualize your code repository. And it makes really beautiful visualizations of commits. So mm-hmm. it shows uh, files and folders in a graph kind of format. So it looks like a beautiful animated graph. And so you'll see files and folders appearing. And then you'll see individual commits represented by little icons for people that are floating around the screen literally in this video and are creating them. So it's it's Neat. a really nice way to see how your code repository has grown over Who's time. Who's working on what? And Yeah, and it's just kind of a motivator to say, hey, look, at this is how far we've come, and you know, this is a nice measurement of progress. Interesting thing about Gorse is that you actually can use it to visualize other things, even though this is what it's intended to do. So I actually was playing around with using it to visualize usage data in Hadle. Oh, that's so, cool. So its file format is extremely simple. So anything that you can think of that is graphy in nature – so in Hadle, we have questions and answers yeah, and topics. Right. And we created a really cool visualization of how a Hadle community uh, is created and lives over time. So here's what a Hadle community looks like for the last year. Well, you could use this for any kind of uh, community that you wanted to show, anything that has some sort of graphy kind of um, you know, uh, look to it. And Gorse was amazingly easy to use. That's the thing. It... Um, you know the file format again. That you can you can point it at a Git repository, which is really cool, and it will just um, read the Git repository. But you can also make your own output file. But I mean, it's very 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 simple to do. So I was able to, you know, uh, take the Hadle usage data and spit it out in this simple format that Gorse wanted, and it does this beautiful animation, which Ken's looking at now. I'm really watching. I'm staring, and I'm loving it because I'm seeing Hadle's data grow. In connection and usage, oh, basically, it looks like the game of life, except they're not destroying each other. Yeah, right. Well, you know, and this is interesting because wow. because you're talking about looks uh, fractal. The, the, a big thing. It does kind of look fractal. Yeah. So a big buzzword now is the social graph. Like all these products have the social graph. And that just means like you and everybody you talk to and at work now people are going to like start tracking that down. You're building tuples. Is that what you're doing in this file? Like this links to that? Um, Really? All you do in this file is uh, you give it a timestamp. Yeah. You give it the user who created it. Again, we're thinking about it as a commit. Right. Then you give it the path to the file. Right. And so in the case of Hadel, it just took questions and the path includes the topic that they're in. Yeah. And then it starts to automatically, because it knows the path to things, it uh, groups them together. So it, it, Gorse is really cool. Uh, Gorse is used by people to visualize all kinds of things. And, you know, for the developer hook, it could make you a hero by showing a nice... You've got to take a look at this because what you'll see is you'll see this amazing visualization and you see these 
clusters of expertise and knowledge moving around. Now, nothing's labeled, but it's more of a visualization. Right. You know, you ultimately want to show just how this thing grows. And truly, you have a lot of people using and, and re- revolving around this website, which I think is awesome. It is cool. But, you know, another kind of cool thing, too, that you could kind of uh, use it for that some people have done is imagine um, – and I don't know which companies have these. I, I never really worked at ones that did. But we have giant monitors. Yeah. And then people will actually put Gorse real time. Yeah. So, so as you commit. That's very it, cool. You see the commit visually happen. Like your little person icon comes up and oh, creates the Oh, if you had like file. a large development team. It'd be like, really you know, cool. Doing It'd be really cool. Yeah. Of course, people will be spending all day. Hey, watch. I made a little commit. Whoop. I watched my little commit. You know, you, yeah. you'd, be, you'd be doing little bogus commits to uh, – to, so they could see them represented. But that anyway. is freaking awesome. Well, anyway, so that is Gorse at code.google.com slash P slash G-O-U-R-C-E. It's like source with a G. G stands for groovy. Um, <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> Lord Gunk. I'm not sure. Um, Ember 180. So Ember 18 is released, eh? So talk to me about Ember, man. Yeah. yeah. So it, the, the big new thing is they're moving towards, although they're not fully there yet, but they're moving towards uh, HTML bars. So Handlebars is the templating engine that uh, currently Ember uses. And HTML bars is something that's very similar to that, but under the covers is much, much faster and more efficient. Okay. So you can see a lot of the the, the um Essentially, this is happening in other JavaScript libraries where they're using things like you know the shadow DOMs and these yeah. sorts of things to really speed up uh, improvement. And basically, they're saying that this is 30% faster, at least 30% faster than handlebars because they're moving from string manipulation to DOM manipulation. Okay, yeah. And they're also cleaning up another uh, particular annoyance uh, in, in um, the handlebars templating. Um, where you would see all these extraneous script tags, and that was just um, not very helpful. Right. So there's many different um, improvements that they're making, but it's it's really the templating language is really really important in whatever kind of you know uh, JavaScript framework MVC framework that you use. And Ember's is a uses you know again HTML bars or it's going to be HTML bars. There's a particular choice that they make, right? And their choice is to not. Like Angular mixes in attributes, HTML attributes. Yes, they do. And so, um, so for example, you've got like a div, and you have an ng dash click attribute, which then points to something in your, you know, basically in your model. Right. That's a function to run. So that's that's like one choice, which is we're going to make the markup kind of contain these extra sorts the, yeah. of enhancements. Yes. And then Semantic some people code. like it, and some people don't. Yeah. Okay. For the people who don't, um, this is the kind of the style where you're. In your templating, the tags are HTML tags are HTML tags, right. and then you have this handlebar thing, which is just double curly brace, right. and then you have it's almost in some ways reminiscent of systems like JSP or yeah. PHP or something where you have template, although better. Yeah. Where, and so, so this is kind of that style, and so so Ember's really doubled down on that, improved it to the point where it's going to be you know much faster, and and it's really a choice. But I actually do like it because it's really explicit as to what is basically you know the parts of your template that are dynamic um, versus not yeah you don't have to know like which attributes are what now i'm gonna throw you a quick one that that you may not know but um if do you have the same kind so they know they're very rails like Mm -hmm. do they have a concept of helpers like they do in rails so you can basically emit the helper to generate content 
I took one that I don't know. You're right. Two points. <laughs> Two points for Ken. They, no, no, they no, do fine. have web components, which is the and that's the, the big like push. A directive kind of thing. I see. Um, but I don't know about the help already kind of thing. Yeah. So why don't we why don't we jump then over to a little bit of Angular news around this stuff too? There's two things going on in the single page apps world and the Angular world. Um, you probably have seen um, in our prior Dev News we we devoted an entire issue uh, with Don Coleman and, and Joel Confino and myself talking about the new push to Angular 2. And so a couple things have happened kind of as fallout from this. First one is that uh, we were talking about the guy uh, f- who joined because he had a really nice write-up on this. And I put this in the blog too. Uh, Rob Eisenberg, he has a website which has the best name in the world, Eisenberg Effect bluespire.com and in fact he, he is at eisenberg effect i believe on twitter he had um a very good blog article um not the one we're pointing to in this show but very recently after our our last angular show about everything in detail about angular 2 what he likes what he doesn't like what was interesting about it you know where the challenges are it goes into deep amounts of information around the code and basically one of the things that he didn't like is he didn't like a lot of the templating code that's coming out he is now leaving the team. They invited him nine months ago. This is my shocked face. I can't believe it. I can't, we just were talking about it. He was being an apologist for it. Yes. Well, wow. and I'm not so sure it was. If you read into his blog, I think he was trying. Some dissatisfaction. I there. think there was some dissatisfaction wow. there about where it was going. And in fact, if you read this blog article, it's Eisenberg Effect up bluespire.com, S-P-I-R-E, slash leaving dash angular. And of course, the link will be in the show notes. There's a lot of interesting messages at the bottom where they're just trying. People are baiting him saying, come on, why'd you leave? Why'd you leave? Why'd you leave? And, of course, you know, there's a nice message by Igor Minar, who's one of the guys uh, who's on the team at Angular, basically saying thank you for your, your cooperation and for your help. And it's interesting and, because he he had this Durandal yes. framework, which I never looked at. I never even knew about until we just had this show last time. Right. Seemed really cool. I yeah. read his blog post. He's obviously a really smart guy. Yeah, he is not dumb and, at uh, all. Really Very interesting smart. that he went joined Angular for, Angular for 10 months. And then decided to go back, you know, with the with the idea of merging it in. You know, there's this big Rails thing where Merb, you know, merge yeah. Into oh, Rails. that's a, you know, that's a really good analogy. Merb and Rails two were two different code lines. Merb was like the lightweight Rails, the anti Rails in a way. Mm-hmm. And Yehuda Katz, who's the developer of Ember, by the way, mm-hmm. um, joined up to marry the two together. And so that worked. He's yeah. just saying, hey, I did it for 10 months, and I guess now I'm back to my own thing. I think it would be interesting to see when he comes up with Durandal, I don't know, 3 or whatever the next version of Durandal is. I'm going to be very dumb about this. To see what he says in retrospect looking backward a year. And I guess he looks, too, in some of this uh, blog post, which is you know new to me. But it just he said that he felt like sacrificing Durandal's independence would be worth it if Angular 2 could adopt its good ideas and bring them to a wider audience. But basically, he doesn't feel like enough of those core ideas that he feels are important were adopted by Angular 2. And so what he was bringing to the table, I perhaps. guess when you merge the two, he just wasn't happy enough with some things that were core to his opinions. Right. So that's fallout in the negative. Uh, there is one very big positive fallout. Um, and I didn't notice it at the time. In fact, it was while we were talking about this that this is a little tiny, um, a little tiny uh, doc on the Google Doc uh, page that they've, they've uh, published and, and talked about. It's called Angular 1.x, the plan forward from Igor Minar, who's the lead on the team. Um, and so Igor uh, runs the Angular team. You know, um, we, we have Misko Avery who created it, um, but Igor's basically the project lead or the team lead. Um, turns out that he has decided that they really need to keep a strong team lead for Angular 1 
so that nothing happens to Angular 1 in the negative while they're working on Angular 2. That's excellent. I think it's an excellent idea. But basically, to me, this, this says that they've heard them. They've heard the community. In fact, he says this. The last few weeks, I'm going to quote from the article. Uh, the last few weeks, we have clearly demonstrated that people care a lot about Angular. They care about what our future plans with version 2 are, but are also worried about the future of 1.x. Uh, so basically, he comes down and says, uh, towards the middle, I'm, delight, I'm delighted that Pete Bacon Darwin has agreed to take over the leadership role for Angular V1. Now, if you search Pete Bacon Darwin, he's all over support questions, you know, mentoring. Uh, he's the active, most active mailing list member. The man knows a hell of a lot of stuff. He's being um, tasked with, with basically moving 1.x forward and keeping track of two. And also he has a number of people who I've seen, Brian, Caitlin, and Chiaru, um, they are on the mailing list as well, and they are vocal people on the mailing list and, and, and developers, uh, and also someone for Google 3 Sync and things like that. His name is Jeff. And Matthias Namila and Powell, because I'm murdering these names, I apologize, uh, basically working on, on uh, some of the other stuff as well. And so he's got a number of contributors to 1.x, and he is going to focus on version 2 mostly. All right. Well, no, I mean, hey, they're saying, you know, that this is important to us and that that is strong, that they already have lined up the people who will caretake, you know, be the caretakers. And I think that they may actually keep things going because they did say in here um, there's more high impact work to be done on the 1.x branch. We still have material design, which is, I guess, the the Android material design UI stylings. They must be doing that at Google as their overall you know, what Chrome will browse and render nicely from Google. So they're working on material design. The new router, the new router is going to be a, 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 a brand new architected router, which I think came from the Durandal guy. I think he came from <laughs> Rob Eisenberg. Um, so he's going to put a, a new routing system in, which they desperately need. Um, and uh, what's what else in here? Improved internationalization. And also uh, basically all these patches on GitHub, which is a huge deal. So people doing pull requests, they're going to continue to honor those and keep those up to date. So I don't see Angular 1 dying in any way, shape, or form for a significant amount of time. Mm -hmm. So that's good to look at. And that Definitely. means that that kind of frees the 2.0 team to be creative, create the next generation thing. But 1.x is still alive. So we'll post a note, uh, a link pointing up to that. Um, this thing about here, React.js, how does it fit in with everything else? So let's talk about React a little bit. This is a view synchronization framework, right? React, that's become very popular. So the question is, how does it fit in? And uh, you, uh, did you bring this up or did I bring it up? <laughs> it's been a while. I bring it up, but Yay. can I... Can I uh... Can, can I strike it for the record? <laughs> you want to strike it for the record? Yeah, it's really good, but I haven't. I didn't read that review. Okay, okay. Oh, so, I mean, what what it really? I mean, just hey, we'll read this and talk about it next week. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was really good when I read it, but I actually forget what it is now. But I've heard React. You know, React. You should use React. Well, you should use Angular. You should use Backbone or Amber. React is something totally different. And this article says why React's not Angular, why React's not Backbone, and why React's not Ember. Man. And so um, I will say this. Let's all take it on his homework this week to read that article. Yeah. It and was, it I was really good when I read it, but I forget it now. Yeah. Well, welcome to the club. <laughs> um, and so this was by uh, Craig McKeechee. Um, and so and the website's funnyant.com, which I like that name, A-N-T. Uh, but anyway, he has a nice little overview. He talks about what, you know, what it is. He says, you know, how is it compared to, as you said, web components? Um you know, uh, and then my mouse stopped scrolling on me. 
uh, talks about the shadow DOM and uh, virtual DOM, those techniques, and how it can be used with other frameworks. In fact, I know that there was a really interesting article that we mentioned before about AngularJS and React and how if you really need the super speed of view updating of, of React, you can hook it into the view technology of Angular. Well, React is, I think, push the pile on speed. You know, that's kind of yeah. the thing. So you can say that HTML bars was, I'm sure, heavily influenced by React. And it's good. There, I mean, that's the takeaway that I had here, although I'd like to be able to talk about it a little bit more in depth than that. But that, you know, again, that yes, if you have a really kind of twitchy app, maybe you're looking to React. But otherwise, even if you don't use React, it's probably influencing and pushing your favorite framework to get better. And they've pioneered some pretty interesting techniques like the shadow dom yeah. and ways of doing faster rendering in essentially a data structure rather than and then you know react will take those data will compute all the changes down to a delta and then send that to the browser versus make a browser change for every single and you change. know that and is a huge a smart difference. idea it's a huge difference yeah. and uh actually it turns out that the atom editor for example uh, which is a new kind of hot editor uh is now using uh react for its rendering as well so Interesting stuff. So, yeah, let's all read for homework, shall we? <laughs> um, now, uh, AWS has been doing a lot of interesting things lately. Yes. My God, at AWS, what is it, reInvent? Yes. Um, now, did you pick the flexible GitHub Enterprise? Is that you? Yeah, that's just uh, – that was really interesting. Uh, I'm not sure if this was at um, – if they announced it. But anyway, GitHub Enterprise is basically take GitHub and run it yourself. Like all the GitHub software, oh, you nice. can license it and run it. So if you're a giant enterprise who wouldn't actually use GitHub, you can run it yourself. And then – so that they've had that for a while. But now they've said now you can run GitHub Enterprise on AWS. Oh, so they have an AWS so, uh, AMI for it. So yeah. So, so the cool thing is you can run your own GitHub Enterprise in you know all that software. Now I'll tell you, it's not cheap. They have I'm a sure. calculator on there, uh, which I don't remember the exact pricing, but it, it's $1 not. Billion dollars. You know, it's it's not ridiculously cheap, but it's pretty neat and it's pretty amazing that that any company could run their own private GitHub on AWS, basically. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Or VMware, actually, they do both of those. So and, that's neat. They did mention in their series at uh, AWS reInvent. Now, at reInvent, they had a couple really cool things. There's this new AWS Lambda, which is like a functional computing service all you can eat when you need it. That thing looks really cool. Really cool and really wild because you can – it just totally changes the way that you would build – you could build web apps differently. And it's really interesting how they presented it and how they said that this could be – this could basically be you could have a mobile app that gets better battery life because it offloads complex calculations to uh, Lambda. So it's really kind of interesting while they're positioning this for mobile. You think like this is, I don't know, some kind of machine learning, image processing kind of thing? It could be anything really. Yeah. Yeah. Anything you could build functionally with no state in it basically. They say the state lives outside of it. Lambda functions are stateless. Um, you upload your code to ABS Lambda. Lambda. Lambo. ABS Lambo. <laughs> field um uh and then uh you point it to s3 buckets or you know tables in dynamo db or kinesis stream which I, is that the machine learning thing i don't know I'm, i don't know what that is um but anyway so the kinesis point is stream processing but, okay but gotcha. uh but it does it is interesting though the dynamo thing it makes you kind of want to use dynamo i've never used it before but you could basically have when events imagine when events flow into your database yeah you, it's I mean, it's probably a poor term, but it's almost like having triggers yeah. that run store procedures, yeah. right? But this is cooler than that. So when events flow, in, when stuff flows into your database, <laughs> cool. then yeah, cool. then the you know this code gets executed on Amazon servers, so you don't have to manage the server. Yeah. So you could really kind of you could imagine you could build quite a bit with that, and you would it totally is not the well, MVC, you don't need MVC boot, model. It has nothing saying, to do with that, and you don't need to boot 
a server. You just Nothing. go to the service and use it. Right. And they auto scale. So if you That's know all of a sudden cool. it's Thanksgiving and your thing got popular, you don't do anything. Pay a big and you bill. don't you don't run anything either. When and that kind of whole managed service thing. I mean, this is a managed service. I yeah. think that's going to be a big thing. And Amazon released like literally like 10 of them. I would love to know what you write this in. I have Good no question. idea what the language is. Well, they're all Java, so I imagine Visual Java basic. would be one of the things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's written in Occam. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's see. Uh, the next thing is Docker via containers in ECS. You must be thrilled about this yeah the, maybe no it is cool um so so ec2 the, now has a docker container service right right so the container service i guess helps you manage it's it's a piece of infrastructure that you don't have to manage it helps you say you know where the containers get deployed to nice and so it just makes it that much easier so aws is embracing docker i think everybody's embracing docker yeah they have to answer yeah. to that yeah and so but the cool thing with this is that there's no uh, cost to it. So they're, they're basically, you know, this is a service that they'll run for free to help you manage your Docker infrastructure and you're paying for EC2 servers, but you're not paying an extra fee to use this container service. So if you were basically using Docker to provision your stuff and you provision your production stuff through Docker, now you can basically make slight tweaks to that and throw it on EC2. I think that's the general gist. Brilliant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And brilliant. I, you know, it always depends. Like, you know, with EC2, I know it's like, it's more, expensive if you just looked at the raw compute costs but then you have to rent the space rent the hardware buy uh, the hardware I'll tell you, it's EC, a question mark ec2's been phenomenal yeah. for they like keep our, pricing, that's right? the thing like our bill has gone down we get more servers but they because of google because of other players yeah. they ha- and because well i mean it's mostly because of competition um they, yeah. they drop their prices and so, and things uh, are on SSDs now. And and right, they keep, and, they keep making faster uh, machines. You know, your base machine, as you mentioned, uses oh, there's SSD. There's some crazy new C3 machine. There's some really high end machine. I think it goes up to, it's either 64 or 256 nodes that you can, you know, CPUs that you can attach to the 2.9 gigahertz that they just announced too. Mm-hmm. Some crazy, and I'm sure the per hour cost is insane. It's a lot, but, but, cheaper, cheap, but you may only need it for an hour to exactly, run Exactly. Cheaper it's, than if you had to buy one because yeah, now absolutely. you got this thing, what am I going to use it for? For the set of features they have, I mean, I almost say they're the only game in town. Yeah. You know, we set up regions in asia you mm-hmm. know they have uh you know you, they have very a lot of services and they seem to maintain a high level of quality i have no idea how they release so many yeah. <laughs> giant features uh as they do it's it's like dizzying you almost can't keep track of just the ec2 things and we're just a client like we can't even use them as fast as they can make them but uh but it's neat it's neat and that's not to say other ones like DigitalOcean, uh you know is a really nice product as well but it's just on the total opposite end Khan Academy adds a new course with help from Dartmouth. Uh, this is on the um, Khan Academy website. They announced that there is a new computer science algorithms course. So if you're trying to teach people programming, mm-hmm. you may want to send them here because, you know, there's one thing you can't teach just by writing code is that how you structure an algorithm. You need to kind of teach them how to use sorting, binary searches, you know, um, you know, different types of things like recursion. Um, and so – they're starting with those things. Those are the major topics, breadth first search. And these are all just basically pages with tutorials on them uh, talking about algorithms. So if you're looking at kind of getting someone started in software development and they like languages and programming, but they don't have any background in formal computer science, this is a nice next step for someone to take a look at. Nice. And while we're on that topic, yeah, I have to throw this out there because you know it's getting around the holidays. You got 
that niece or nephew that you need to get something for? This, this is me. You? It's this. So so I have a niece. She's 11. She's, you know, like basically a genius. And she uh, and I want to figure a way to introduce her to programming. She doesn't done programming. She likes video games and stuff like that. Um, so I was looking around, and there's this thing from Youth Digital. It's Learn Java with Minecraft. That is awesome. It's for 8 to 14-year-olds. It's insane. So my, Minecraft is obviously, like, which you probably know, like the most popular game on the planet. Yes. It's written in Java, and which is very strange. But anyway, it... Um, Owned by Microsoft now. Yeah, yeah. right. It's, so it gets weirder. But, you know, what... To get somebody to learn programming, I think obviously you have to give them something that they want to build, right? That they they want to build a website or they want to make a pro- – it can't just be that academic. So with Minecraft, they walk you through modding it. So building characters and weapons and different se- you know, different um, climates or whatever you have in Minecraft. And they're walking you through these um, these different mods as a way to learn Java. Well, that's awesome because all these yeah. – you know, a lot of kids, including my niece, love Minecraft. Mm-hmm. And who wouldn't want to be able to customize their own game? Yeah. And most games you can't. Right. Um, but this one you can. And kind of the way that it works, uh, it's not super cheap. It's like 140 bucks or something for a year subscription. Oh, you mean for Minecraft? No, no, for, oh, for, for this, this for this for this course. But what you get is a bunch of videos and and you get software and things like that. But th- what really makes it work, I think, is that the guy who does the videos is funny. And so you just I watch they give you the intro video for free, you know. And mm-hmm. I and I read some of the comments. They said like he's just a funny person, so the videos aren't dry. It's not like the you know the instructor from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know. <laughs> so it's uh, it's a little better than that. Although he'd be awesome, but. <laughs> It's Ben Stein. Yeah. 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 So, cool. Yeah. So, so if you have that, you know, that, that kid in your life that just, you know, you need him to, uh, you want to get him a gift, but you want it to be something educational, but you have to trick him into it. Learning There's the Minecraft. One. I think it's brilliant. So yeah. that's very cool. Youth, youth digital. Okay. Um, let's see here. And that may be everything in here. Is that everything? Mm-hmm. I think it I is. That's it. I think that's the news. Yeah, that may be the news for now. So, Hey, I think that was a meaty dev news, man. That was like uh, you know, uh, sausage and, you know, ground beef all mixed up with Pomodoro sauce. Okay. <laughs> tasty, tasty. Dev that, that was the mental image I had. That's, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so that's it. So, uh, you can hit our website, chariotsolutions.com slash podcasts to see all the podcasts we have. Of course, slash dev news. We'll get you dev news. Uh, also, you subscribe to iTunes. Uh, and if you have anything you want to share with us, uh, hit us and send us a message on at TechCast. Or, you know, go and post a message on the blog for each article. That's it. So we'll see you in a couple weeks. I'm Ken Ripple. I'm Joel Confino. Uh, live long and prosper. <laughs> there is a new Star Trek coming out. I know.